Hey everybody and welcome to the next episode of A Leap in the Dark with John De La Cruz. As you know, we've been speaking about generative AI and where it can take us in terms of creativity and creative practice, particularly within the education space. And of course, dipping into the whole idea of ethics and ethical practice and so on. Today, we're going to move the conversation along a little bit. We're going to be talking to Chelsea Hooper, and I'm hoping that Chelsea will talk to me rather than me kind of talking a lot, because actually what she has to say is super interesting, and it moves us over into more of an institutional space and looking at technology and the wider spaces it can go to. Chelsea is from Auburn University, and she is an instructional technology specialist housed within the library. And so we're going to get a different take. This is not somebody who teaches in creative education or is a practitioner in industry, however, has a broader overview than any of us could have. And Chelsea and I know each other through the Adobe Education Leader Network, which is such a fantastic resource for networking, getting to know other people who share a similar mindset and certainly practice with the same toolkit. And so I hope I've introduced you well there, Chelsea, but please feel free to talk a little bit more about yourself and tell us a bit about what you do at Auburn and what the plans are for applying generative AI within varied curricula. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is essentially how can we upskill students, particularly with generative AI coming about. Um, so just a little bit more background on me just to get, kind of frame the conversation. Um, my background is originally in instruction. I was trained as a middle school and high school teacher, did that for several years, but then quickly learned to teach with technology. Um, one of the first schools I taught at was a laptop school, and this was a long time ago, so it was rather novel at the, at the moment. And that quickly turned into teaching other teachers how to use technology, teaching students how to use technology, deploying laptop programs at schools discovering new software that would be useful to help them learn and teach, uh, vetting it, learning it myself, and turning around and teaching it to others. So that's a little bit of my background. When I came to Auburn, we became an Adobe Creative Campus about one month later. So this was a really good opportunity, I thought, for us to upskill all of our students in Adobe Creative Cloud. Because as you know, Adobe Creative Cloud and other creative applications like it help students create content so they become creators of content rather than consumers. And that helps them no matter what area of work or study that they are in. They can market themselves, they can help whatever entity they start to work for, they can gain additional skills in content creation, which then they can use in internships and kind of put themselves a step above their peers in many ways. So when I first came to Auburn, I saw, and I was housed in the main library, which really gave me an advantage because I was able to work with all of the different colleges and departments across campus, as well as entities such as our provost office, who supports the digital literacy initiative on campus of us being an Adobe Creative Campus. And this led to also partnerships with our Center for Teaching and Learning, 
and helping basically deploy and assist with uh, improving the digital literacy of students across the entire campus. So yes, as you mentioned, I tend to have a bit more of an institutional or sort of general approach, but at the same time, I'm very grassroots as well. So when I first came to Auburn, I thought, well, this is great that we've just given these students all these creative tools, but who's teaching it to them? If they are in a non-design major or their instructor isn't necessarily requiring them to use it, then where is it happening, right? So from um, the main library, I began offering workshops for free to all students, mainly targeted at students, but open to all students, faculty and staff. And that developed into team teaching with faculty across campus in various colleges and and uh, departments across campus. With my instructional background, I'm able to work pretty closely with the faculty members to help them integrate in a ideal place. So not just using these creative apps just for the sake of using them, but using them meaningfully within their curriculum and finding niches and areas where it really fits well and meets the learning goals that the teacher has, but also upskills those students and those creative skills. So um, that's kind of how I started um, working at Auburn. Um, and where we are now is we've also added in that during that time frame, we also added an Adobe help desk to help augment and supplement the support in that area. Because people like you or people who are design instructors, they have the skill sets to support students with those questions and that sort of thing. But if you're an instructor in a non-design major, you may not have those skill sets. So they need additional support. So one other thing that we began was an Adobe help desk. And that is staffed with Adobe student consultants who are undergrad students who may or may not be in a design major. Their main requirement is that they have good customer service skills, that they're willing to help people, and that they're willing to learn. And so we actually have a variety of student consultants who are from different majors themselves. So we have some journalism majors. We do have a few graphic design majors. We've had environmental design, music, all kinds of finance, marketing, so kind of all over the place, which is great because then their peers see, oh, you're a music major and you're using you know, Premiere Pro to make video and then you're putting the music to the video. That's really neat, you know? So they see other ways that others, that their peers are using it. And that's been really helpful. And then of course, with the addition of generative AI, which, you know, one thing I talk to people about when we first start talking about generative AI is, okay, let's take a step back and realize that Adobe has had generative AI in its apps for a long time. <laughs> so this is something you're kind of already using. And so that kind of helps people calm down a little bit, you know, if they're feeling tentative about it or nervous about it or unsure if it's okay for them to use, you know, that sort of thing. So things starting there with some familiarity, you know, that you are kind of using AI already, you know, when you check your weather app, when you use Siri, when you use Alexa, all these things are AI. So it's okay. It's been here for a while. It's just that it's become a bit more prevalent in the last year and a bit more noticeable with the large language models. And so similar to when we became an Adobe Creative Campus, when I noticed that generative AI was becoming more prevalent and being used by students, then that was also sort of a natural place to 
sort of insert myself and help students learn that as well. So not only do we have digital literacy needs, but we also have AI literacy needs. And one thing that I found was really helpful in sort of beginning to bridge that gap in knowledge was that Adobe already had generative AI built into it. And with the addition of Firefly and Firefly being added more prevalently in several of the apps, this was another natural entry point to begin working with students and faculty about generative AI. And it's a very safe environment to begin using it. You're not going to have the copyright issues with Adobe's generative AI art like you do with other AI art generators. And so being in the library, that's something we're very cognizant of and continuing to help students, of course, understand copyright and information literacy as at the same time as, as we're doing all these other literacies and so on. And so that's been a really neat journey for us just to start delving into how do we use generative AI art within the Adobe apps. And with it being in Adobe Express, that makes it really accessible to a lot of people, really friendly uh, to use. And then so once you kind of help them understand that Express, that Firefly is trained only on its own Adobe stock, people are contributing to Adobe stock of their own accord. And everything is sort of legitimized with this AI platform. That makes it a very sort of easy entry point to work with people in generative AI. Um, and then you can move on and talk about other AI, uh, you know, LLMs that are available and sort of what are the pros and cons of each and, and that sort of thing. But I think especially with things like Adobe Express, which already make it very easy and accessible to students or people who want to be creative, but maybe they don't quite have the skill sets or they feel intimidated by something like Photoshop, being able to jump into Express and just use the text to image and be able to create something that's only existed in your imagination up until that point, you know, that's really empowering, I think, for a lot of people. And I think that helps people to realize, oh, this is this is what I can do with these things. You know, I can create my own, you know, image. I can then tweak it. I can regenerate. I can change the prompt. And then I'm learning how to interact with the AI a little bit better when I'm doing those things. So that's been really neat to see that it's really empowering people to continue to create. And, and even in Photoshop to do those things as well. People who may have been really intimidated by Photoshop at the beginning maybe now realize, oh gosh, I can just generate a background and then I can generate items on that background. And then I've already got layers and now I can do things with those layers. So mm -hmm. I think in, in general, it's helping people be more creative than maybe they thought they could be before. And really kind of just bringing those elements to those people and kind of empowering them to, to create more and to kind of be confident in some of their creative abilities and build upon that. Wow. Okay. So that's, um, that's just amazing, really. You know, that you're able to kind of um, disseminate this across all of these other disciplines. Is the take up been what you expected? I mean, are people from, say, geography or biology or any of the sciences or social sciences? applying the use of Firefly in their curriculum or in their assignments? Or is it something that maybe students are just doing experimentally? I mean, is it being built in into like, so the, um, the students learning and teaching? 
Right. That's a great question. So definitely we are building in and I do a lot of team teaching with professors from all different areas of work and study, you know, and I would say Express is definitely the most heavily used, I would say, because it's the sort of the easiest one to get started with. And I think because the generative AI is built into Express and it's so kind of easy and it's right there, then I think that's something that they're sort of naturally just using along with Express. I don't think it's something that necessarily we're saying you must use generative AI. You have to use that feature of Express. You know, I I haven't experienced us doing that, but each time that I go in and maybe teach Express or do like a demonstration to help a class get started with it, you know, I mention it, I explain what it is and and that sort of thing. And then I work with the instructor to maybe give them some recommendations, you know, so recommend things to them. Like if you would like to allow your students to use generative AI, then one, one good thing that you can have your students do when they submit the assignment is to also submit a reflection on how they use the AI. What prompt did they use? Uh, what kind of results did they get? Did they iterate the prompt after that? Or did they iterate the design after that? And something I also do if I'm teaching it myself to students on my own, then I also encourage them to make changes to it because then it becomes yours and you're sort of the owner of that. And then you have more buy-in with the design, you're paying attention to it, and that encourages the student to go further with it rather than just create something once and then just kind of leave it. It, I think it encourages them to be more cognizant of how they're using it and did it really help them? (laughs) Uh, In some cases, it might not. In some cases, it might've been better for them to start with a stock image Um, You know, that they could just do a better job of searching using the filters in Adobe Stock rather than generating it, you know, through AI. But in some cases, it's better to use AI. So it just kind of depends, you know, on, on the situation. But I think a lot of students are, of course, as we would expect, just experimenting and using it on their own. And, you know, for those students, we also we record all of our workshops as well and post them on our website. So somebody can't quite get there, but they're curious about something like AI, you know, then they can watch that on their own and be encouraged to experiment, you know, in safe ways. And, you know, what are some ways they can use it and and how to have those conversations with their instructor about those things, too, Mm -hmm. encouraging them to look for an AI statement in their its syllabus. And if their professor doesn't have an AI statement, then maybe ask them, what's your stance on it? What I'd like to use it for this and that sort of thing. I think one thing we're seeing, I would say, especially more so with LLMs rather than art would be, I think a lot of students are tentative about using it because they don't want to be accused of plagiarism. And so it's kind of creating a little bit of a fear factor with them, or they only use it for low stakes things that aren't going to get turned in necessarily and things like that. But in order to really equip students to be able to use it, we should encourage them, you know, to use it in safe ways with guardrails in place and encourage them to reflect upon how they use it. And one thing I tell students in general, whenever they're using AI, any type of AI is like, you know, look, use the tool to work with you, not for you. Because once you just, you're not going to, first of all, if you just put something in a prompt and you don't really like what you get the first time, but you just turn it anyway, like that is, that's not what we want. You know, that's, that's not you thinking critically. That's not you putting effort into it. But if you, but if you generate it multiple times, you tweak the prompt, you add layers, you really make it your own. That's the skill set they're going to need in the future. 
Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, because it's um, it's a critical part of um, developing AI literacy and also of developing a creative mind within a non-creative space, I guess, right? So that non-design major who isn't lots of practicing creativity or creative practice would maybe just do that initial prompt. Oh, there's an image. This is it. I've done it. But there's no relationship between them and that final product, right? But encouraging lots of reiteration, encouraging the tweaks, the the moving the image around different platforms in order to kind of improve on it, perfect it, make it your own. That's critical, I think, at this stage, rather than just opening the floodgates and allowing anything to emerge, right? So AI literacy, I think, is going to become as important as digital literacy has in particularly during less of the post-COVID period, would you say? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think with COVID, we definitely boosted Adobe use on our campus in many ways, you know, because especially with Express, because all of a sudden maybe we had students who had to go home and they didn't have access to powerful computing. So Mm -hmm. they couldn't maybe even if they wanted to use Adobe Creative Cloud apps, maybe they weren't able to because of just their limited access uh, to computing. And so but then with Express being available even on a mobile app, you know, we were able to pivot pretty quickly. And, you know, teach instructors that this is a way that they can incorporate technology that even students with just a smartphone could potentially be able to be creative and to create uh, projects and just turn them in as a URL link, you know, uh, making things easier for students to learn remotely and be creative remotely and for teachers to be able to teach remotely so, so quickly in that quick turnaround time that we had. And then, yeah. And then, as you mentioned, you know, sort of piggybacking on that and adding to it, you know, uh, adding AI literacy as well is critical because they're definitely, you know, they're going to need to have skills where they're working with AI and not being necessarily too afraid to use it or tentative to use it, just like with any new technology, you know, it takes some practice and um, it also takes maybe just focusing on one or two tools that you can know that are pretty solid that you can use and that you have access to. And that's something that's always also sort of prevalent in my mind is sort of the digital equity angle within all of this as well. You know, with LLMs, you maybe have students who can only access the free version of the LLM. Mm-hmm. But then you might have other students who can access the paid version of the LLM. And what if they're getting probably better results, you know, from their paid version than the students using the free version? So that it, it concerns me in many ways that, you know, a lack of AI literacy can also cause an additional digital divide, you know, between maybe different students of varying backgrounds who come into um, our institutions and, you know, have they may have varying experiences depending on where they're coming from, if they were if they were allowed to use it in their high school or not, and or the, whatever sort of uh, experiences they had prior to the university. So when when we can be an Adobe Creative Campus and provide all of our students with access to Adobe Creative Cloud products, including something that's low lift technology like Adobe Express that has AI built into it in several different ways that can be used to help them be creative. 
but still not do it for them, but still kind of just gives them, gets them past that blank draft, you know, that they may be struggling to kind of get started with, you know, um, then I think that is something that we can definitely work towards to help reduce that digital divide. You know, I think it's really important to, to provide all students access with it and not just access to the tools, but also access to how to learn to use the tools as well, which is why I really enjoy working from my main position here in the library, because we can address all users, all different uh, disciplines. Um, and like you said, I'm seeing, you know, students in all different disciplines use it. A lot of times, maybe even, even if it's just for the text effects, I've seen students use that maybe on, you know, posters, research posters and so on, because it can help them sort of stand out a little bit, even though they may be constrained in the type of content that has to go on their research poster. But wherever they are allowed to be creative, I encourage them to push that envelope so they can sort of stand out among the crowd. Yeah, no, that's great. And you bring up a real interesting point there, which is to do with equity. And I think that, you know, as we're seeing technology expand so fast, you're right, there is a divide. I mean, between the the students who can and the students who can't in terms of like financial constraints. But being an Adobe Creative Campus does break that barrier down, and it really is helping all of our students to to bridge that gap and to experience generative AI, even within the boundaries of Adobe Firefly. Now, Firefly, of course, is, or Adobe, I should say, have made lots of some really conscious decisions related to copyright and ethical practice. Is this something that you guys in the library at Auburn try to kind of um, instill in all the practitioners. And I'm using practitioners as like instructors, you know, faculty, students who are using these tools. Do you talk about copyright and ethics as well? Mm -hmm. Yes, great question. So absolutely, that's something that, uh, especially being at a main library as a center of focus, you know, this is a major part of information literacy, which we also, you know, we have many fantastic uh, librarians who teach information literacy also on our campus. And they're they're aware of the work that we do in digital literacy and we work together. We partner together on a lot of projects, you know, with various faculty um, in the different areas and that sort of thing. So that's that in and of itself is super helpful for addressing things like copyright issues, plagiarism, um, you know, how to uh, use AI responsibly and ethically. Um, and that that's what I appreciate, especially about using something like Adobe Express and that has Adobe Firefly built into it. That is also, of course, built into several of the other apps is that it is creating AI art responsibly. And that's definitely a conversation that we have before we start using the applications for sure is, you know, because many of them have just maybe heard of Dolly or Midjourney or other AI art generators, and maybe they've even used them. Um, but we go into the conversation of, well, where are those images being sourced? So we need to pay attention to making sure we use responsibly sourced artwork. Um, and how do we do that? Well, one way you can do that is to make sure we're using apps that where that's been taken into consideration and planned for. And we talk about how um, Adobe uh, Firefly is trained only on its own Adobe stock. And the fact also that the way that Firefly works, and I kind of talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of this to help them kind of understand it, is that 
Firefly doesn't just take, okay, let's say you're a stock, uh, an Adobe stock contributor, and I'm an Adobe stock contributor. We each contribute maybe a piece of artwork. It doesn't take like half of your piece and half of mine and just put it together and that's it. Like, that's not how it works. It is, it's, it's learning from your contribution and then it's learning from my contribution and all the other contributions that it has been trained on. And it's creating something novel every single time. And it will create something novel each time that you tell it to generate. And of course, each time that you iterate the prompt and make changes to it and that sort of thing. So I think that helps kind of people feel a little bit more at ease about using it as they understand, okay, this is, it's really a machine that has learned, right? Mm -hmm. And it's creating something novel. And then to make it my own, I need to make changes to it because maybe this helped me got started, but maybe the lighting isn't right. Or maybe, you know, the, the tone isn't right. The hue, the saturation, maybe I need to add some more things to it, create some more layers, add some text to it. Um, you know, add a different background, remove the background and add a different one, you know, and that really helps you kind of get further down the road than if you had to literally draw all of those things yourself, you know, uh, which may, they may not have the skills, you know, to do that. Um, so definitely that's something that we address before even jumping into the apps is where are these things coming from? And that just helps, uh, you know, everyone, including students, especially to think about, okay, what AI tool am I using and why am I using it? And where, where's it sourcing from? Those are all things that they should take into consideration uh, when they use them, um, any AI app. So think teaching students to, create, to think critically about the AI tools that they're using and where they're coming from. And that helps them, you know, uh, be able to discern and to use the correct, you know, whichever correct AI for them in the future, depending on whatever area of work that they are eventually going to go into. Mm -hmm. No, this is, um, it's really good to hear you talking about how you're embedding all of this knowledge and critical evaluation into the practical use of these tools. And you guys are doing it institutionally. I love that. You know, I really think that we need to be thinking about this much more rather than in our own departmental silos, you know, um, because it's vital. I mean, these are skills that students across all of our disciplines are going to find useful and helpful once they graduate. Um, it's becoming an integral part of um, of who we are and what we do with technology. So thank you so much, Chelsea, for um, for talking about what you guys are doing over at Auburn. Um, Honestly, I could spend all day talking about this. It's it's absolutely amazing. But I'm conscious of um, of your time, and I'd like to wrap this up, but I'd love to talk some more at a different point in time as well and, and kind of, sort of learn from you, actually, and see what we can bring back to SJSU, actually. So thank absolutely. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And and I'm a big believer in sharing um, because all, it's all of our mission to help, you know, students and to help them, you know, grow and become, uh, you know, really fantastic members of society and to be knowledgeable on these types of topics. So um, I'm sure there are many things I could learn from you as well. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about this topic today. And it definitely is an ongoing conversation if we, you know, AI is constantly changing. So it's always something to kind of be cognizant of and to be aware of and and to be nimble about. It's a topic that definitely requires some agility. So I look forward to continuing the journey with you. For sure. Thank you so much and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.